This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all... It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Here in the Northern Rockies, dark winter months are outlasted in basements, dens, and nooks, where kindred souls gather together to share intel, swap fly patterns, and relive the memories from seasons past. This gathering spot known locally as February is the inspiration for this podcast. No matter the season, the door is always open to those with a fly fishing story to tell. Brought to you by CD Fishing USA, the North American distributor for composite development fly rods and accessories. 40 years of Kiwi ingenuity and graphite technology now available at cd-fishing.us or your local CD USA dealer. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And remember to go fishing. Here's your host, the Carnops. And this is the February room. Lauren here. Recently at the BHA Rendezvous, some familiar artwork graced a drift boat. I just had to meet the artist, and he was gracious enough to give me a piece of what he refers to as Americanism, depicting Bernie Sanders and Bison Man riding a bald eagle. Thanks for joining me, Ed Anderson. No problem. Thanks for having me. Anytime that, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders and Mittens inspires somebody, I'm, I mean, I feel like I've done my job. So. Well, score, because it's in my February room. And I, every time I look at it, I'm just like, wow, how did you even, how did you even come up with that idea and concept? Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but over the last year and a half, things have gotten a little weird in our our country here and uh, just watching how people act to each other and on social media and things. It was it, it like, 
I, it, it has Bernie Sanders and that dude from the January 6th riot at the Capitol, like yes. both rioting together. And like, I don't know, it was just it was a thing like everyone needs to just relax. Like we're we're all wrapped around the axle right now and we've been stuck in our homes. And, yeah, like just like politics and the, the plague and all the stuff. It was just like we need to I don't know. I don't know where it came from, but <laughs> I think it's also very needed because I mean, I mean, first off, very serious conversations are ha- being are always taking place, and sometimes that can kind of bring you down. So just to have something that was just—it's actually a really great painting. I don't even if you paint and stenciling, but it is so well done, and it made me laugh. And I was like, gosh, I just sometimes you need a little bit of a break from it all. And just to kind of look at it and be like, that is actually real ridiculous. I mean, that guy from the riots and then Bernie Sanders with his mittens. And if you look at it, you're like, God, the country is a little bit crazy in that picture. And so like, I have this thing. So like, I always call myself an Americana artist. Like I, I get to travel and do a lot of fun stuff. And like my stories are what the art comes from. And then actually like Americanism is, is a term that I've kind of used as like the American ridiculousness. Cause we are like, and and I, I'm sure we're going to talk about fly fishing. As as Americans, we do all kinds of ridiculous things, and fly fishing in particular is extraordinarily ridiculous. In that, like, you travel long distances to go hook a fish in the face, and you know, just just win that little battle, and then you put it back. So I, I don't know. Like, I had a I had a moment um, a couple of years. Well, it's been a while now uh, with my grandmother. Um, who's a child of the depression. And, and I went out, we were in Florida. We went out fishing, had probably my best day fishing ever. Like just redfish, snook, tarpon, everything. It was great out of a kayak. It was so much fun in the mangrove swamps. And I came back and my grandma was like, how was fishing? I'm like, it was unbelievable. Grandma caught all these fish. And she looks at me like, where are they? And I go, <laughs> well, but we can we do catch and release grandma and and like this is the sweetest lady in the world and she looks at me and she goes why would you hook a fish in the face to put it back in the water and it was like a it was a weird moment for me where like i still love fly fishing i still do it i still travel i still but like while i'm doing it i have to remind myself that like that's not how everyone's brains wired it's not the same like everyone doesn't have the same passions and and it is extraordinarily a strange thing that, that we get to do. So <laughs> There's definitely a certain thing of madness that kind of comes with it when you actually start thinking about it that way. And especially, like you said, people who've probably had to catch fish to in order to survive and then things that people just do it recreationally. Actually, I remember reading this book, um, Born to Run. And yeah. remember, like, there was this whole thing where people were loving to, like, run barefoot. Oh, and yeah. there was this documentary and, you know, these people, the, you know, this uh, documentarian went down to uh, that small village to talk with the village people and showed them like how they kind of started this whole thing about people running without shoes. Right. And they were like, well, we run without shoes and we use these sandals because we can't afford tennis shoes. Like, why would you do that? Like, and <laughs> so it was kind of interesting reading that because I love that book. And I was like, oh, maybe I am running all wrong. And then it's like, no, they they do that based on necessity. Like they're wearing sandals and because that's what they can afford. So it's kind of interesting how crazy Americans can kind of get into their madness of hobbies and likes. But um, I know yep, you were just sure. saying that you base your artwork based on stories. And you've had um, your artwork has graced the covers of many 
outdoor magazines and has been showcasing magazines and actually this um, past backcountry journal your um, your artwork is covered as is the cover for that for the magazine and so I'd love to hear a story that really uh, resonates with you uh, from one of your pieces of uh, one of your artwork oh wow one in particular story that's a that's a hard thing I mean um, the 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 biggest deal for me is is and I know writers talk about that the only way to write is write what you know. And I happen to be a, a fishing and hunting guide. So I know, you know, going out in the woods and, and being on the water and catching fish. And so a lot of my stories revolve around that. But, you know, through that, all that storytelling, I've also gotten to work with the, the pro bull riders and Nissan and, and, and learn about other people and things all over our country that, that is, you know, those are the, it's just a, it's a whole storytelling aspect to, to the art that I create. Um, one story in particular, man, I'll, I'll tell you a good one. This is a good one. This was in the Drake a while back. Um, so I, I, uh, I had, I was at a show, uh, the, uh, the sheep show in Reno and was headed to, uh, headed, uh, down permit fishing in, in Mexico. Uh, Long story short, I got snowed in, in in Reno, missed my flight down there, ended up uh, having to, to get in a strange car in Cancun, driving to Puna Allen, staying at a strange lodge, taking a boat across big seas. I mean, it was a three-day ordeal. Got there, got on the boat, get to the lodge. Finally, you know, we're having a good night, having some drinks, and a storm blows through that night. And... Uh, I mean, just a, a monsoon, the sky opened up and woke up the next morning, sitting around the lodge, waiting to go fishing. And there's people scrambling outside and, it's, and I'm just, I've got that feeling like I, I brought the black deuce, right? Like this is not, <laughs> not happening. And I look at the guys, I'm like, I'm really sorry, fellas. I don't know what's going on, but I'm sure it's my fault. And, uh, the manager comes in and he says, uh, water, a water spout came through last night, tipped over all the boats. And no. so all the boats were upside down on the beach. Motors had been submerged. And so it was like, we are not going fishing. Uh, this is bad. But I, these guys like set up a motor shop on the beach, got a few boats rolling. Four of us ended up on a panga. And, and uh, you know, it was one of those things like, all right, this is just a joke. I'm just going to drink beer in the back and was playing my <laughs> ukulele and wasn't going to fish. And these, and I mean, they, we weren't going to get in close to permit anyway. So these guys are finally like, they got tired of me playing ukulele. They're like, get up here and and fish because we're tired of listening to you and I get up there and, and seriously it was within maybe two minutes three permitters swimming at the boat and I do this drunken cast hook set hook a permit and yeah so it all it, but it was a it was a great you know kind of great ending to the most terrible travel and disaster natural disaster thing that uh that I've experienced for sure. So, <laughs> and so, how did that become part of your like? What made you decide like, okay, I'm going to draw this? Like, how does that whole process come now that the story was told and it's kind of in your minds? Like, how do you put that to paper? Well, a few years. So, uh, the 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 way I put it to paper is I I came to the conclusion a couple of years ago that that we just don't have the patience as people anymore because we're all tuned into our phones to tell long-winded stories. At least I'm not. I'm not a good enough writer to, to keep people engaged over pages and long words, but I can draw some illustrations and I can write, you know, a hundred or 200 words and tell the same story in one frame. So while you're scrolling through Instagram, hopefully the images draw you in and I can get my point across really, really quickly. Um, 
It's a it's a thing I've I thought about. I've I've been real involved in Western Art Art Week up in in Great Falls, Montana. It's based around Charlie Russell, and I mean the reason Charlie Russell was Charlie Russell is he was he was living in the West, drawing the pictures of the the Native Americans that he knew, the cowboys getting into drunk fights in bars, like. His story is the West, and that's why he stands the test of time. Again, writing what he knows, or painting what he knows, and so yeah, it, you know, draw a bunch of sketches, put them in one frame, try to tell your story, and then if a painting lives on from that, great. So, well, and just even like how you said that um, your picture says exactly your story. Looking at the one that, just for reference, the Backcountry Journal one with the bull, like in his breath is coming out. I mean, yeah. it looks like, okay, it's like telling me, I'm like, okay, it's cold. Like he's up to something. Something's not making him very happy. Um, is he feeling threatened? And um, yeah, I just think you do such great job with coloring. Can you tell me a little bit of um, how you got into um, into drawing? Like, did you just wake up one day and thought, hey, I'm going to use put this skills and there's a little bit of that. I definitely, um, I grew up with it. I, I drew my whole life. Uh, I was, I, I went to a really advanced, uh, high school art program and, and really had a, had a great teacher there who cultivated a lot of my ideas and, and helped me grow there. Ended up in architecture school and got an art degree while I was there. Um, but then I went in the military and it kind of got lost for a while. I ended up doing real estate when everything was going crazy, uh, you know, between 2005 and 2008. And then when the bubble burst, the only trade I've ever had is my art. And so uh, I was basically unemployed. I was doing chalkboards for bars and restaurants and uh, doing paintings whenever I could and and ended up getting picked up by gray sporting journal for for a couple of their covers thanks to uh, another great fishing artist ad maddox who introduced me to those guys so um yeah just uh you know the the fates kind of kept me with it and and now i'm lucky enough to to make some money doing it <laughs> how does it feel when you see your artwork in the magazines um I, I mean, now it's, I do, I, I have so many great publishers and content creators and editors that I work with that it's, it's kind of part of the gig. And, and, um, I, it's, sometimes it's a real grind even to get it to that point, honestly, but like those first experiences, like that's, that's what started. I mean, I was doing graphic design and I was doing chalkboards and then it pops up on Gray's sporting journal. And uh, like overnight I had collectors who were looking for my work. And I was like, Oh wait, like this is something that should happen to somebody at the end of a career. It's not like supposed to launch a thing. So I spent, a, I spent two or three years, like really trying to figure out how that business works and how art works. And now it's, it's so rewarding, but it's all part of my storytelling. You know, the, the, when, when that cover appears on, on the Backcountry journal, you know, that was a story that was coming back from Great Falls and going to the National Bison Range and watching those animals and, and getting to paint that icon. And, uh, you know, hopefully I do a good enough job. And I think that's kind of why they why, you know, guys like Backcountry Hunters and Anglers pick that stuff up. So I don't know. <laughs> well, and kind of like what you I mean, you definitely have a stamp like I know exactly like I had never met you before, but I had fallen 
followed you on Instagram before going to backcountry hunters and anglers. So when I saw that boat, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I follow this person, but I didn't know who you were because there wasn't too many face pictures of you. And yeah. so I think your buddy was there and I was like, are you Ed Anderson? And he's like, <laughs> yes, yes, I am. But then he was like, no, just joking. Here he is. And um, I mean, first off, I, you just have such a signature. Like I think with any artist, that's when you really become yourself is like when you can look at something, you can yeah, recognize yeah. it. And you're like, I've seen this before. I know who this is. So it was so good to put a face to the artwork. Um, well, can you, no, seriously, well, in the I, well, boat. I, yeah, no, I don't, I don't put very many, I don't like my picture hanging around because I'm extraordinarily ugly and people don't need that in their lives. <laughs> no, be, you're not. Like the, the nightmares that, that would happen to little children all over the world. I just, I couldn't live with that. But the, yeah, the style is, I mean, it's ever evolving and it's, it's all based on my sketchbooks. I think I showed you my journal while we were at the, at the event, but you know, yes. I, I live in that, I, I draw pictures and I take a bunch of crappy paint and I dump it on a page and then I draw around it and I figure out how, you know, what works and what doesn't. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of call it a controlled mess because that's what it is, but Again, I've been doing it my whole life. I'm sitting here in my my office looking at all my journals that over the years, like I can pull out my stuff from when I was 16 traveling around and, and, and playing baseball. And like, it's just, it's grown and it keeps evolving. And yeah, hopefully I get to do it long enough where I, I keep making it better and it, and it does something new the next time, next painting I'm working on. So, well, and I'm curious because at the backcountry and hunters and anglers, uh, rendezvous event, you had this amazing boat with your artwork. How did that come about? And give a little description for our, our listeners to talk about like how beautiful that boat is because i won't do it justice it's so it's a big it's a big red stripe rainbow trout uh uh red band rainbow, rainbow trout and it's actually an image that i've used over and over and over again and uh i've i work with some great designers here in boise and and they turned it into a vector image and so we can kind of put it on anything and then um so i i'm a fishing guide work with uh mccall angler and and uh in in idaho and I, I needed a new fishing boat. So I called Adipose and I said, Hey, you guys want to work with, uh, work with me on making some skins. So actually there's, there's that rainbow trout on the, the that Adipose has a, uh, brown trout and a new carp design coming out here soon. I don't know when they're going to launch that. I'm probably not allowed to tell you, but yeah. So there's, um, so yeah, that's how it came about. Just, just wanted to put something kind of cool on the side of the boat. So when I'm driving down the road, you know, maybe, maybe somebody will notice it. <laughs> Introducing the Trist All-Fly Kit, Composite Development's latest game-changing innovation. Utilizing the same butt section, the All-Fly morphs from 5-weight to an 8-weight via interchangeable sections. Need a little more length? Pop the extender into place and the 9-foot rod becomes a 10-footer. All housed within an ingenious tri-folding magnet rod tube, the All-Fly is the most versatile fly fishing tool ever devised, negating the need for multiple rods. Switch from delicate presentations with tiny parachutes to hucking gaudy coneheads. This package must be seen to be believed. Go to cd-fishing.us, click the video tab, and see the Trist All-Fly in action. And remember to go fishing. Tell me about your evolution of fly fishing. Like, how did you get into fly fishing? Because you grew up in 
near Minneapolis. Yeah, and and, uh, came out to Idaho with the Air Force, ended up in in McCall doing some real estate redevelopment. And uh, kind of my first project, that's a long, boring story, but I was looking for a ski condo and uh, found this gigantic house that was falling in the river and called my dad and said, hey, I got an idea. They're doing this ski resort. Let's do a lodge. And I was a wow. I was a backcountry ski guy and and that was kind of what I wanted to do. Uh that had I mean I really hadn't fly fished, hadn't I mean this is 2003 I think. So really hadn't fly fished, really didn't hunt very much and uh yeah, we we were going to service Tamarack which was like the first destination ski resort in 27 years in America and uh got that business and and it started going great everything was all hunky dory and then again when things collapsed in 2008 2009 we needed new revenue sources i was kind of pseudo unemployed doing artwork in bars and so i had a really good friend who was a fly fisherman and bow hunter and he kind of taught me the ropes and we were trying to f- discover new revenue sources and i mean i was in the field like 250 days a year trying to figure out if we could hunt and fish around there and uh it's that's what you know that's how it started it's grown into a whole thing yeah doing all kinds of saltwater stuff now and and bow hunting you know we do we do elk and deer hunting and all kinds of stuff so yeah that is so awesome yeah that during the recession we ended up having to move to peoria illinois because our company closed shop here in missoula and relocated us i mean great experience and it was you know got to meet some really great people and met some really amazing friends, but, um, you definitely had to be inventive of like how you were going to survive that. So I'm happy to hear that you guys figured out something that worked out. And it's also like during the pandemic, I mean, were you able to, uh, really foster your artwork a little bit more during this crazy time, obviously creating some cool Bernie Sanders. It was, yeah, (laughs) it was definitely different. And I like, there's, I mean, for anyone who does follow the social media account, there, like, there were some weird things popping up and I drew a lot of stuff that I couldn't show the public. (laughs) 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 Um, But uh, no, it was, I mean, it was a strange time. Like the, the, a lot of the marketing people that I work with, the, they're, they kind of went away for a while. A bunch of people got laid off or moved jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got twin daughters that are nine years old. And so they were home from school. My wife actually works uh, with the CDC in immunizations wow. in, public health, in a public health capacity. So, I mean, she was extraordinarily busy and just trying to figure out how to make, you know, keep the wheels on. Like a lot of people, like, you know, kids are kids are home. I, I, you know, we, we ended up raising chickens and now I got like 20 chickens that live in a Mormon <laughs> chapel out in my yard. And so, yeah, it just, you know, just life changes. Like we, we just, we figured it out like everyone else. And hopefully we're on the back end of this thing. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Well, it seems like you're coming up on top, you know, I was curious because you say you have to talk with like a lot of marketing people, like when it comes to your artwork, do you just send them like when you're kind of color, if, like a magazine's reaching out to you and like, Hey, we have this new article that's coming up. Are they putting like their hands on like what they want to see or they can like you can do whatever you want to? It really depends. Like I am not a very good illustrator. Like when editors come to me and need like X, Y, Z drawings, I'm not – that is not my forte. I do do it, uh, but it's – I – I, I look at great illustrators and I just, I find the work so wanting when I, when I try to do that. Um, but no, I mean, I've, I've just spent so much time at trade shows. Uh, really that's where I, where I took the art to the street, really, instead of doing galleries, like most people do, I started going to like Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and 
Sheep Show and iCast. And, you know, so I just, I, that's where you meet all the marketing folks. And yeah, people want, they either want designs or they want, you know, they want something to be in a magazine. It just, it just depends. Like I'm, I'm kind of just, I just draw the pictures. I don't know. Well, they're very well done. Is there like one that you love to draw the most? Like, is there, is it the animals? It's the fish or is it people or is it just kind of like whatever's going on? I actually, before, before I started doing the animal stuff, I did black and white portraiture um, of of people. uh, And I still have a very, very strong spot in my heart. Uh, especially when you're talking about America, Americana and the American condition. Um, I really hope to go back that way. And I've got some, some really strong commentary I want to give on the American West and it's only going to be able to be done through people. So uh, that's kind of where my head is for the future. It's not, it's not necessarily in, in wildlife art, but who knows? I mean, the, I, I definitely love, again, it's my storytelling and I'm going to be fishing. I'm going to be hunting. I'm going to be, you know, doing all the stuff that I do. So uh, it's, it's going to stay. <laughs> is that black and white Americana? Is that because um, it feels like it's more storytelling for you? Cause you said, t- you keep saying like how you love to, kind of capture a story do you feel like people just can share that a little bit easier through your painting um i don't know i mean that was it was you know the conceptualization of the storytelling i don't think was there when i was doing that stuff it Mm -hmm. was i just really enjoyed uh the simplicity of black and white compositions and the the ability to execute them really quickly uh and that was i mean that's where that really stemmed from I think it's always interesting as an artist, like the way that evolve, like you evolve, but you still have like your core of like who you are. So I think it's also as you get older, I think there's more time to reflect on like the reasons why you do things and that changes the reason why you create and your artwork or whatever you're doing. Um, Speaking of which, you just came back from Florida not too long ago. How was it? Uh, It was great. It was, it's always, it's great. We've been, uh, my family's been going to Sanibel Island for my whole life and, and my folks live down there now and and we've got kind of a little, a little spot and I've got a, I've got a little crappy 17 foot skiff that I call it's, it's, it's called the Matt Lachey magic. It's a, it's an old brand. Uh, but it's, it's just, it's, it's, it, it runs, it's got a 60 horse Yamaha on it and it runs great and it's crappy and the hull's crappy enough that I can run it. Uh, you know, you just leave it in the water and, and, don't have it just sits in the water while i'm down there it's great (laughs) so how does that work do you just go by yourself or and just kind of take the skiff out i go down there and i go down there and usually bring some friends down and do uh uh you know i'll have some some art clients that want to go fishing or or people who've who've helped me out along the way you know just try to try to return favors and when it's especially when it's like november december january in in the north country it's easy to to find people who want to go down and get on the water so oh my gosh a hundred percent and yeah. <laughs> even though like right now we're just like in this crazy heat wave and it's like gosh. yeah i mean it's only right now is the hot part in florida it's july and it's you know it's not 90 degrees yet so <laughs> isn't that crazy but i mean at least you're like right by an ocean so that way you can probably jump in but you know the other day i just went on the gorge and just jumped in the river and it just felt so i mean it felt so nice just to kind of oh, cool yeah. the body system down because it's so stinking hot yeah yep. um do you have an amazing fishing story for me from your adventures in florida um an amazing <laughs> or one that went I, went so sideways I, I had a, I, not an amazing story but i had a good friend uh a good friend come down um 
he's he's a kind of a client friend came down and he brought his son who'd never done any saltwater fishing done a lot of trout fishing and i don't i mean like guys who are saltwater dudes like they'll tell you it's just a different game and and this was a kid who was really underprepared to be on the water and be tarpon fishing for giant tarpon and so we're getting you know we're going out pre-dawn um going to the spot where i think there's going to be some fish and i'm kind of i'm i'm softening him to the fact that tarpon fishing is just hard man mm-hmm. it's there's so many things that can go wrong. You got to be able to put a cast on. We don't have the water clarity here that you do in the keys, so it's not like you're going to be able to see the fish for long. You know, like I get, making all the excuses up to just kind of <laughs> let him know it's going to be a hard day. It's going to be hard, and, and it's going to be hot, and you know, not apologizing, but it's just I don't I don't know if it's going to happen. And we get out there, and the, I mean, the fish are rolling everywhere, Jeez. and he gets up on the bow of the boat and tries to figure out how to strip line to his feet makes a okay cast for him i guess and hooks a fish on the first cast no way and yeah i mean we ended up landing it it was a you know a little bit under 100 pounds probably and he was just like like and that day he probably hooked five fish we jumped i don't know yeah we jumped five and probably landed two but yeah so for do you think you've ruined fishing for him now? Well, no, because I mean, we did, we did end up having some really tough days. Like I couldn't, there were a couple of days where I couldn't get on fish and we got on fish and then he couldn't, like, it didn't happen. You know, like it, like it just happened. The planets aligned that moment of that day and bang, you know, like that's unpredictable. Oh gosh. Well, it's so funny. Cause I go, um, when I was learning how to go hunting, I was just kind of more of a spectator. I'd always just follow Justin out in the woods. And I remember the first time we went elk hunting and we just saw, I mean, we, we saw so many elk. I mean, we got into, they, they were all laying down and Justin bugled and I was just right next to a cow. She was like sitting next to me and, you know, he didn't end up shooting one because he has a recurve. Oh, yeah. So he has to be oh, yeah. pretty dang close. And, um, you know, we were walking and I remember I looked to my left and, you know, we can't, we aren't talking to each other at all. Right. You know, I just like walking in the woods and I remember like looking to my left and, there was a, there was a nice bull and I was like, God, you know, do I tap him? Maybe he just wants to pass this elk. So we're going to pass this one and find more elk. Cause I just thought like, that was my yeah. experience with elk hunting is that you get to choose which <laughs> one you want. Like you just go, as long as you go hiking way up in the, like if you yeah. keep going up the mountain, you get to choose whatever elk you want. And so I was like, you know, I'll just tap him on the shoulder and see if maybe this one's good enough for him to shoot. And I remember I like tapped, I'm like, you want to, shoot that one or should we just keep going forward <laughs> to see if it's like a grocery store so i always imagine like and then ever since then i you know i guess with reflection and we've gone elk hunting so many times together with you know it's lucky if we get to hear a bugle at this point and um i always remember that day thinking like right. that's how i thought elk hunting was that you just as long as you put the footsteps in you're exactly. promised exactly. an elk <laughs> so and so I imagine this boy probably thought with the amount of um, tarpon that he caught that he was probably like, exactly. oh, this is what fishing's all about. Yep. Just have to have a good attitude. <laughs> but I did shoot my first bull, not this <laughs> last fall. Congratulations. Yep. Yep. First time I, you know, I think I put what five years just following him. Cause I'm also very sense. Like I didn't grow up with elk hunting or fly sure. fishing. The saddest stories or the worst stories is something that you shot that you wounded. And yeah. I mean, everybody can remember that 
that story. You know, it's never the kill that they'll talk about. It'll be the one that got away. And so I was always trying to prepare myself mentally if that ever happened to me. So luckily it didn't. And um, like, I'm excited about next fall, but I'm also always have that in my back of my mind, like make sure it's a good kill and ethical kill. Um, But back to McCall, because McCall is beautiful. Um, What what don't tell, of, don't tell anyone. McCall's bad. It's McCall I mean, the, is whole, so, the whole place is on fire. The water's boiling over. Oh, and there's it's, locusts. Like nobody needs. It's to know just not McCall. as ugly as Missoula, though. Missoula is <laughs> so much. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, bleh, bleh. yeah. No, I mean, obviously, we're we're uh, McCall is very busy, and uh, especially through COVID, we've got we've got significant housing issues up there, mm-hmm. uh, employee problems. Um, because it, it is, it's such a great place, and everyone wants to be there, it, including all of the West Coast. So yeah. they are coming in droves. Well, and I have, you know, I'm I moved to Missoula. I went to school here in 2004 at the University of Montana, and so um, I guess growing up in growing up in Colorado Springs, I always still feel, though I've been here for so long, that I'm still considered an outsider. So sometimes like when I'm like, Missoula's getting so big, but I'm like, shoot, I mean, I guess I did move here. Um, It's hard to tell people not to want to move here because you want to protect it. But then also you're like, I guess I understand because I did the same. Um, it's, It's a weird place to be in if you're not born and raised here because you're like I guess I understand why you want to move here because that's the reason why I moved here but it's also like can we just keep it let's keep it calm for sure sure. with McCall like what's what's kind of like the fishing and the river like are the fish pretty hard to catch or give me a little bit of information about your home waters McCall is a place that we we say it's a place of windows like the windows open and close uh quickly and you got to know where to be when the water's good and it's only, uh, McCall's only 5,000 feet. So, um, and and it's on the edge of the Oregon desert, obviously. So we're, uh, we get a lot of hot weather. Um, we don't have great tail water there. So the, the, the temperatures tend to heat up in the river, the North fork of the Payette runs through the Valley there and all the, the rivers and creeks, um, heat up relatively quickly. So, you know, early season, you can get some good fishing fall. You can get some great fishing on the rivers. Otherwise, uh, like midsummer right now, it's, uh, the, the game is all mountain lakes and, and we've got a lot of great mountain lakes up there. Um, it's just different. It's, but it's, it's a, it's a heck of a lot of fun. So with the mountain lakes, like is for, do you have to hike up there or is there like dirt roads that you guys take? Both. both. We do. Um, yeah, we do. Uh, we've got some great little day hikes that we do up to some spots, take some flow tubes once in a while, depending on the lake. Uh, and then we've got a bunch of lakes that you can drive into and we put the drift boat out and, and all things working out great. You might get some dry fly action. Uh, so it's not just the, the standard still water drop a chrominid to the bottom. It's, you know, we get some pretty good hatches and most of the fish are eating on top. Well, and also I know you did the artwork for McCall anglers. Is that fish based on uh, fish that you caught up there? Uh, yeah, yeah. That fish is, uh, that, that particular fish is a legendary fish. We caught that in, in some very, very skinny water uh, a long, long time ago. Well, tell me the story. Well, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm reticent <laughs> to tell you the story, but uh, needless to say, it was on the, it was on the North Fork of the Payette uh, during a Drake hatch. Uh, not a lot of, I mean, we don't get a lot of fish in the, in the river there uh, during the Drake hatch. There's a lot of white fish, a lot of pike minnows, and 
um, we just uh, we caught a really gigantic rainbow trout. It was great. Were you able to see him, or were you, was it like a complete surprise? It looked like we we saw him eating, and it was or her. It was probably a female. Yeah. Uh, saw, saw her eating, and uh, uh, looked like a log bobbing in the water, like wow. a giant log just coming. And I and we were floating down in, in kayaks, and I saw this thing, and I just thought it was a log bobbing in the current, <laughs> and had to kind of like I floated by it and did a double. And I was like, "There's no logs right there." That. I think that might be a fish and like stopped and got out, like watched it. And then, yeah, it was just a giant fish mowing drakes. So were you able to catch her in one, one cast? Yeah. 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 That is so exciting. Cause sometimes I feel with fly fishing, which is the madness that we were talking about in the beginning. I went on a bike ride. I, I mean, we, me and my girlfriend hiked, I mean, biked seven miles, went into this small stream and it looked so promising. Like everything was there, right? There was some great rocks. There was some shade and it looked so welcoming. And we were only able to cast probably for like, um, go fishing for like an hour. Cause then a storm rolled in. Yeah. But you know, sometimes you get so let down. So like when you hear these stories of like someone catching a great fish and seeing it, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. Cause I was hoping for that. Like I was hoping that like at one point I was in a go walk up and take a turn on the bend. And I saw this great spot. I'm like, I know I'm, and I tried everything. I was like, I'm putting a dropper on this. I don't care. Like it's not even eating a dry. Like I'm going to catch one of these fish and sure enough, nothing, nothing. Yeah. But for, I mean, that's why that fish is legendary. That's why it's a logo now. Right. Like that, like how many times have I seen that same scenario and gone through a fly box trying to, trying to imitate a hatch and the fish just wouldn't eat it for whatever drift wasn't right. right tip it was too big whatever like the hook didn't sit quite the right way you know who knows what what those animals you know their their whole job is to stay alive so right and i think that's the appeal of fishing right is like the it's the grand puzzle like trying to fool a fish and get it to eat and then bring it to your hand like that's that's when you've won the game for that moment so that is so yeah. true. And it can be so frustrating. Like sometimes I'm like, is it me? Is it me? <laughs> is it my the problem? Because it seems that when we go fishing, when I go fishing with Justin, he'll like cast it out and he, you know, we're going pike fishing. Yeah. And sure enough, I am like, I'm throwing my arm. My arm is getting a workout. I was like, I'm working out. I'm going to catch this. He's like, okay, you need to let it sink a little bit. And sure enough, he's like, just give it to me once. And he does it and he catches a pike. And I was like, damn it's it's me isn't it it's me it's totally I tell, no, I it's tell people i tell people all the time i am really really good at finding fish i am i'm am excellent at it oh god I, I am terrible at catching fish i'm i like they can feel me i'm like they like it, <laughs> it's the force and i'm like darth vader or something and the jedis can feel me there as soon as i get on the bow of a boat it's like well all right fishing's over for a while but if I'm if I'm in the oars or if I'm on the polling platform, like we're gonna find fish and you're gonna get shots. So, <laughs> and that's a, that's a great promise, actually. As a guide, that's like the best thing you can promise your your clients. Like I can't promise you you're gonna catch them, but I can promise you I'm gonna see the fish and I will bring them to you. But it's all up to you in order to catch them. But yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Um, if you had your preference, is Florida or Idaho your favorite place to kind of take people fishing? Um, I don't know. It, I mean, it changes, it changes all the time. And, and I, I think there's just so many, it's, 
fishing for me is about an entire experience. I hope, you know, you get, you get a little bit myopic. I think when you're, when you're doing it and you, you want to catch a fish or you're worried about it or whatever, you're thinking about it so much, but I mean, it's, it just depends on the days and like the weather and what the everything. I mean, there's, there's nothing like, like being on the skiff slicked out water and a storm rolling in over the horizon, you know, right at dusk where you get to see the lightning just stack up into the sky. Like those, that, that thing for me always feels great. But then at the same token, like being, and especially now, like being in McCall and and that midsummer and Mm -hmm. again, slicked out water hatches going off, you're in the mountains. Like there's just, I don't know. It's all great. Like we're lucky to get to do any of it. (laughs) Well, I feel like you had the best of both worlds. And also, I mean, Minnesota has some really great lakes to go fishing too. I, I, I really regret that I didn't grow up around fishing. Like a lot of the people I know from, from my fishing endeavors. Um, You never went into ice fishing, huh? I never. Well, I mean, (laughs) I got into drinking and ice. (laughs) I think that's what the sport is really mainly for. Yeah. And I mean, like we were, I drove, I I was back there for 4th of July and, and, you know, drove by these ice houses that, you know, they're, they have raising and lower wheels. It looks like a little hotel. And like, I know those guys are going out there to watch the Vikings and drink beers, you know, and it's, like that's what that's what my buddies who do it do. I don't know. I mean, I know there's guys who don't like they. But anyway, yeah, no, I just never got into that. I didn't fly fish when I lived in Minnesota. I, you know, we do a little like father son annual walleye trip and bounce the bottom with jigs. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I missed out, and I've, I have made some trips back there over the years to to try and rectify that situation. Had some really good times in Minnesota for sure. So. Well, talking about like ice houses, my uncle, um, he has a, um, he has his ice house and he calls it the Paris Hilton and and it's like the, you know, it's just basically a place for him and all his buddies to go and drink every Wednesday. It'll be funny because I'll be like, mom, how's uh, uncle Mark doing? I was like, oh, she's like, well, I can't call him because it's Wednesday and Wednesday (laughs) is ice house fishing day. And you got to give it those Midwesterns. They, they know how to fish comfortably. You know, they aren't going to miss a Green Bay Packers game. That's hey, that's right. They, they that's a good way to put it. True, <laughs> true story. I got invited one time. It was like my first time being able to go in the bar because I think you had to be twelve in order to go to the bar, and um, it was the Green Bay <laughs> Packers. And back then, you know, they had the huge TVs, like the big box TVs. Oh yeah, and they'd, yeah. And they'd have them up on the wall. Actually, I'm pretty sure they probably still have those big box TVs at this one bar. And some the Green Packers were losing, and this is when Brett Favre was playing, and uh-huh. he took the TV. And lifted it up past the musky mount, past the pike mount, and just slammed it. And, <laughs> and then, you know, and then what happened was that they just took him outside, was like, just breathe, breathe, Tommy. And Tommy breathed and came back in. And, you know, that was it. Like, it wasn't a big drama. It was like, ah, you know, like these are just the way that things go around here. They love well, their football. And, but- well, and Packer fans are another level, of too, right? Like, I I don't know if you've you've had that rub off on you if you're a Packer fan, but like, I didn't grow God. up. I I didn't grow up as a Viking fan. Just we were we were baseball people, and like the the uh, 
the Viking season cut into the playoffs for the twins and like the, the twins were really good back when I was a kid. So we were mad that we, you know, like that yeah. the Vikings all of a sudden got this billing. And so we always just kind of harbored that resentment. So I never got to be an NFL fan, but there is something special about Packer people. Like they are right. It, you are weirdos. Yeah, it, like, it is. It's absolutely like you want to talk about strange Americanism. Just go look at Green Bay during a freaking snowstorm. Like, did I just come? Did I give you another idea for a piece of artwork? <laughs> hey, I, I think it's. A, I think it's a great one. I might have to. Yeah, let's go musky fishing and go to a Packer game. Like go fishing in January there. <laughs> oh my gosh, absolutely love it. So, what's like your next? Um, what's your next adventure coming up? Like next artwork. Um, next artwork, I don't even know what I'm, there's some, <laughs> there's a big, there's a big project that's going to be coming out with, uh, with Gerber, uh, that I'm pretty excited about. I, I don't think I can divulge too much of that, but Ber- Gerber gear knives and things, yeah. they've got some, uh, they've got some great people in the fishing industry that, that we all know and, uh, got to draw some pictures of them. So that's kind of cool. Uh, so I'm kind of kind of excited about that, and then uh, I think I'm gonna be up in Bozeman sometime in August. We haven't figured that out yet, but I got to put together that show at some point and um, bring. What's some going on in people. August in Bozeman? Um, uh, there's a uh, there's like a like a gift shop. If you've ever flown through the Bozeman Airport, I call it Florart. Mm-hmm. I've I've worked with a company up there for years and years and years and years, and. Uh, so my artwork's all over the Bozeman airport and they sell it so fast that they just don't hang it up. They just Jeez. put it on the floor. So there's like, if you ever fly through Bozeman, you'll see the, the wildlife art in three panels on metal. And that's the best floor art in, in, in America. So I didn't even uh, know you could buy artwork while you're at the airport. Like I thought that was the airport's artwork. Okay. Well, it's a, it's out of this shop. And so the shop wants me to come and show some new work and meet some of their people. And I'm, uh, you know, Bozeman's always fun. So I'm, I'm going to go there. Why not? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Why not? So if anybody is interested in um, hopefully if they don't, if they can't go to the Bozeman artwork, um, where can they look at? purchasing an Ed Anderson art piece and um, follow you. We've kind of, uh, we've uh, kind of scaled back all the galleries. So I don't have much gallery representation this year, but uh, if you're interested in in seeing the artwork, definitely go to edandersonart.com. And uh, yeah, if you want to, if you want to come, come out to Idaho, come fish and I got a bunch of stuff in my shop. We'll fish and, and I'll sell you a big painting. Or you just go to the Backcountry Hunter Angler's Rendezvous and you just see your artwork randomly and start just stalking there, waiting there patiently for you to show up. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure now that his shows start coming back, I'll be on the road again. I know we're really bad about posting the schedule and things like that, but I, I pop up in, in very strange places. So well, I'll be around. That's the best way is just to be spontaneous. And what is your um, – is on social media, um, you, are you on Instagram? Yeah, Instagram. It's it's Ed Anderson Art. S O N. Yep, that's that's the best way to find me. So, go to thefebruaryroom.com where you can access a complete library of our podcast and read more about our guests, their fishing stories, and favorite fly patterns. We're always looking for exceptional fly fishing yarns, and if you have one to spin, shoot us an email at info at thefebruaryroom.com. The February Room is always free. But if you feel like throwing a nickel in the pond, we appreciate any additional listener support. For companies and individuals interested in sponsorship opportunities, please contact us for our media kit. Thanks for stopping by the February Room, and we'll see you down here next week.